Hey, this is Shane Malcolm. And this is Jordan Schweitzer. We're the creators of Boot Bags. Fashionable, durable, washable. Boot Bags are the most convenient way to carry your cleats to and from training or games. Check us out at bootbags.us. You're listening to the Force Fancast Podcast. Sitting round of this rolling in from the trends. My desire is always to be here. Oh, sitting So we are properly delighted to have on Forest Fancast our first ever Nottingham Forest player. Um, we've kind of kept our, kept our powder dry when it comes to players. I've uh, been talking to a couple, wanted to, to, to start with a really, really good one. And we've done it. We've nailed ourselves a legend. Joining us today on Forest Fancast, Forest's number one from back in the day, Mark Crossley, Big Norm. Hello, fella. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, good. Really good. Oh, mate, it's so good to see you. It really is. We were talking before I hit record about how you're one of my favourite players because you're one of the few players from the game called Mark. Aren't too many Marks in football, but you were telling me no one calls you Mark, do they? Only my wife and my mother. My, my <laughs> wife uh, calls it me too often, usually from <laughs> upstairs, going downstairs, but uh, my mother. Anybody else calls it me. I don't usually turn my head around, so... I think everybody's talking to somebody else. So really, you only get Mark when you're in trouble? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a similar situation, actually. When I started playing footy years ago, I picked up the nickname Taz because I'm a little headless. So I was running around like a crazy person. One of my teammates said, you're like the Tasmanian devil out there. And so I ended up getting called Taz. And um, I'm, one of the, one of the, I'm one of the few people that get called a name and it tends to stick. At school, football team, we had seven marks in the team. So we all were, had to think of different nicknames for each other. Uh, so locally, where I live, um, my second name, Crosley, reminded with Bosley. Charlie's Angels was really popular at the time. So I became Tom Bosley. So I became Tommy. Blimey. <laughs> in my local area where I live, if I walk around, like, around the streets and I get the call Tommy, I actually know that it might be somebody wanting my attention. So, and that one stuck locally. Then I got Norm, and then Cluffy used to call me shit house. So that one stuck. <laughs> well. Very good. Very good. I, I have the same thing when I'm on a football pitch. If someone calls, you know, and someone's new to the team and they call me Mark, I don't even look round. It doesn't even register. But if I get Taz, and the funny thing was, uh, I was playing with some lads that I've known for ever we used to play in the street back in the day and i've known their mum you know forever and she was best mates yeah. with my mum and i remember i hadn't seen her for a couple of years and i jumped into this team playing with these lads and then went around their house one day to pick them up for a game and the man was there and she said oh you're right taz and I went, <laughs> hang on a second i'm not taz to you this is mental so uh, <laughs> anyway you are legitimately one of my favorite forest players of old not least of all mate because I consider you to be my goalkeeper, really. When I started following Forrest, Schiltz was in goal, obviously proper mm -hmm. legend. But you sort of mm -hmm. feel like when you pick up a team, it's like going to a party and you're not sure whether or not you're welcome and if you'll be embraced and if this is really your tribe. And so even though I followed the European Cup winning team, 
you know, that was my kind of emergence into Forest. I didn't really have ownership of the team. And of course, yeah. Sutton Forest, uh, Sutton for- followed Shilton. And I was still mm-hmm. then, I was still a bit young. I was still eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. So by the time I really got into following Forest, I really took ownership of, of kind of that fandom. That was your time, mate. So you were my, you were my first goalkeeper. Oh, that's nice. It, it was tough at first. Like, uh, I, was, I was very young getting into a team that was literally, it wasn't the Premier League then, but it, but it was the top division. So, and I had a tough start, which was, I had a tough start with the fans as well. Um, and maybe a couple of times I should have been taken away from the team, taken out, rested. That, that I think um, they already knew my potential that, that I was going to be there for a long, long time. But I think there could have been times when a young lad, certainly looking back on my experience that, uh, as a coach as well, where there is a time when you need to take someone out of a team. Uh, but, but, but Cluffy was a bit different. He wanted to see if you could like handle them kind of things mentally as well. Um, which I kind of struggled with a little bit, but you're just waiting for that one game where you can get your confidence back, you get your fans back on side. So I started, I started to do a lot of work in the community uh, to try and get people back on side uh, and something that I really enjoyed. So, uh, for instance, the, the fans in the A block um, were known as, they used to drink in, the, in a place called the Meadows and I found out where, the, where they actually go and I went and had a pint with them. And once they realise that you're just like one of them mm-hmm. and you're just the norm, um, <laughs> they tend to like forgive a little bit. So I, I decided that that's probably the way to go. Do work in the community. If, and then I got, got, got people on side. And then luckily I built up a really good relationship with people in the community, with people close by. Therefore, my form got better. And therefore, I ended up playing almost 400 games because I was comfortable playing in front of those supporters. And I think that's why I've built up a good relationship with the supporters after a tough time. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant to hear that story, Norm. Um, do you, I'm wondering, as you, were, as you were sharing that story, I'm wondering, is that something players you think are able to do today? I mean, has the world moved on to a point where if Ryan Yates wanted to go down the pub... And no. hang out with it with 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 the fans. Well, I certainly would still do it. Yeah, but can't. But mm. I think it de- depends on the character. Like, there's there's so much things, so many things you can't do now that would probably be regarded as uh, very unprofessional. And but in my case, you could probably kind of say, probably saved my career at Forest. So did I do the right thing? I, I think I did. Yeah. I did so yeah. I wanted to be there I love the city uh, I wanted to be Nottingham um, I liked the people so how can I make the best of that and for me that was the right decision because that's it was only the type of person that I was I was only I wasn't you know I've never been wanted like uh, go no I'm going to go and hide away you know, I'd rather go and try and make friends with people and get them to support me and me do the best for them. And it, and it worked for me. Uh, you couldn't do it today. Yeah. You couldn't do You couldn't do what I used to do. Because it'd become a regular thing on a Sunday after that. When, <laughs> when I got to know, know people, I used to do it regularly. Which again, you know, I'd, I remember having playing at Blackburn, we got beat seven. Um, and on the Sunday, 
I thought, I'm going to get some stick, but I'm going to go in there. I might as well take it on the chin. I'd rather have it in the pub than, in the, in the, than coming from the A block on a Saturday. And the landlord uh, said, you're not, having a, you're not having a pint today, no. He says, you're having this. And he bent down behind the can- counter and pulled a full crate of seven up and put it on the... <laughs> And then they started throwing beer mats at me, saying, "Catch this! Don't drop that!" And it was, and I just took it as that's the way it is. I, I would have done the same to, you know. And I think that's what kind of like made them warm to me, and, and and me warm to them as well. So it was a big step, but it worked. You were definitely a player with personality. I mean, that's what I'm getting. That's what I remember about yeah. you, and that's what I'm getting from this conversation as well. So. I think it's brilliant you did that. Um, you mentioned you made your debut for Forest in 1989. Uh, were you always going to be a goalkeeper, Norm? Because I heard rumour that you used to be an outfielder back in the day. I was. I was a centre-half right up until right up being, to being 15 years old. And then the goalkeeper at the, uh, the school got injured. Uh, I was the biggest. I was the tallest. So naturally, I got, I got stuck in there. And from that day, I never moved. I never, ever moved. Um, it's probably a good job, really, because I wasn't quick enough. I would have never have made it as an outfield player, although I did have a, I did have a good left foot, which, which helped when I went into goal. Um, and I think that's pr- probably why I was like half decent with my feet as well, you know, uh, because I played outfield. And, but yeah, I, ne- I, I never moved from there. I, I went in that day. And, th- and then like trials started to come along pretty quickly from that day. Um, Watford was my first one, which I got offered a scholarship at Watford, but got home sick, so I came home, went back to school, went back to uh, college, sorry, played local football and played for a good local football team. Um, we got to a big final at Bramall Lane. Uh, we won the final and I got scouted by Forrest from that game and the rest is this really. A couple of weeks later, later I went down for trials, about 200 kids there over a long weekend. All, all 16, 17 years old. And uh, then it, after day one, it went down to 100, then down to 50, and then all of a sudden down to 18. And then you get offered an apprenticeship. It was like mad, really, how, how it could just happen just like that. And then yeah. less than two years later, I'm playing against Liverpool, making my debut. So it, it, everything just went really, really quickly. Yeah, that's in, that's absolutely insane. Do you do you remember that moment? Do you remember the moment when they said we have a contract for you? We'd like you to you know come on pro terms at Forest. What, do you remember that? What that what the feeling was? Yeah, I was a year older than I, I had. To, you had to start an apprenticeship. Well, a YTS at sixteen years old, but I missed a year because I'd gone. I got homesick at Watford. I'd gone back to uh, college, um, played local football, and and just got and got. Um, scouted from that so I missed the start of the apprenticeship so I became a non-contract apprentice football player which allowed me Cluffy said to me that I could carry on doing my day release at college to get my what was back then city and guilds in in art art and design Uh, so I only missed Mondays at Forest and the rest of the week I was there and played Saturdays for the reserves or the Colts or the A team whatever it was um so I did one year and then it was time to either be released or become a pro. Uh, and in that time, I'd done enough to earn my first pro contract. And during that year, I made my debut. £100 a week I got. First pro contract, £100 a week. Blimey, rolling in it. 
So I got more win bonus against Liverpool that night than I was on for a weekly wage at Forest. It was unbelievable. I think I got 150 <laughs> quid win and uh, 100 quid a weekly wage. And that 100 quid weekly wage, when you become a pro at Forest, well, when you were an apprentice, you used to live with Tom and Olive in these digs at Colic Road. And there was 10 young footballers and you get looked after, your meals cooked and all that. Uh, but when you become a pro, you moved across the road and you had to look after yourself. Now, that was an experience. I was sharing with Gary Fleming, Brett Williams and a lad called Steve Murray, four of us in the house. Uh, and I, I lived on Big Soup. <laughs> I lived on Ray Bentos pies and Big Soup because I was only getting 100 quid a week, which wasn't, it was decent ways then, but not enough to survive. Um, but you had a roof over your head. Yeah. yeah. And you just lived, lived, lived for football, you know. Uh, but Di so, Diet of champions there, Big Norm. Diet of champions. Exactly. You got fed at the club. You got your lunch at the club. But at night time, it was either fish and chips, which I really, really liked. And there was one just around the corner. But I couldn't afford to keep going there. So go to the lo local supermarket and get three Frey Bentos pies for a fiver. <laughs> Brilliant. And five cans of big soup. I think for a, for, for a lesson of five or so that was me and Brett Williams used to go halves. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you, that, that's the way it was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a million miles away, isn't it? From, from the game today. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's difficult actually. I, to some extent I've fallen out of love with the game, particularly at the, at the top level. Um, there's a small part of me. I'm embarrassed to admit it's kind of okay with Forrest being in the championship because it sort of feels like, in inverted commas, real football still. Do you know what I mean? I think the, yeah. further, up, the further up you go, the more removed you come from, from the game I fell in love with. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, the game's now run by sports science, certainly. Mm. Uh, you know, like, I was, I've only just come away from the game coaching and I'm, I'm enjoying my time away from it at the moment. Not that I'm saying that I won't go back, but at the moment I'm, I'm fine with things had a few issues which we'll talk about later and um, I, I hear these things play Saturday in Sunday warm down Monday day off second day recovery I'm, I, we didn't have them we didn't have things like that you know yeah. if you were injured and Cluffy walked past and you were in the treatment room he'd, he'd lock the door and say you're no good to me you know <laughs> Uh, and you got the rest of the lads would go training and he'd come back and he'd unlock the door. And you'd been in the treatment room for, for you know, three, four hours. So you didn't want to be injured, believe me, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was, that's what it was like. It was, it was, I would say it was more of a, a tough upbringing than, what it, than now you just get, you, you're pampered. Don't yeah. get me wrong, they're proper athletes these days. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but it, I, I just think, you know, they do properly get looked after. Yeah, I went they do. I went to Man City for a visit uh, not too long ago. We've got a friend who was a coach there and showed me around and it just blew me away. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure some other listeners will have seen some of that as well with the, uh, the All or Nothing documentary uh, in Man City last or two seasons mm. ago. I want to also mm. talk to you about something I saw in the one more recently at Spurs. We'll come on to that in just a second. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, players are pampered and obviously money drives the game anymore and uh, there's no doubt that the game's, game's moved on in terms of athleticism and some of what the players can do now. But mm. um, yeah, it's it's definitely different from from the game I enjoyed as a lad. You mentioned almost 400 appearances 
um, the bulk of those at Forest, an incredible mm. career spanning more than a decade. Of course, mm. you're well known, loved elsewhere as well. Uh, you spent some time at Borough, Fulham, Oldham, Chesterfield, had loans at Millwall, Stoke, Sheffield Wednesday, and perhaps most notably, Manchester United. Talk to yeah. us about that experience, because you'd have been there under Fergie, right? Yeah. Um, I'd played at Old Trafford earlier that season when, when I went there and we got beat 1-0 and I'd done particularly well. It was a time when I was just coming into the team. Uh, my first season, I only played three from my debut. Then the second season, I played 15. And then the season after that, I'd become ever-present. Um, and I think it was in that 15-game spell I'd played there. Sutty was injured and done particularly well. Anyway, we had a reserve game. Uh, for Forrest at Scarborough, I remember it, and it was and, and Keeney was over. Keeney had just come over, and it was one of his first games as well. And I just went to get off the bus, and the gaffer said, uh, "Get your boots and your gloves. You're going to Manchester United tomorrow morning, son." So I thought, "Is he winding me up here, or what? Like I'm going to Manchester United?" So apparently, I, I don't know. I hear the rumour that it was part of a favour. Manchester United had knocked us out of the cup, which I think, I think saved Fergie's job. Uh, Manchester United was still in the cup, but Mark Bosnich couldn't get a work permit, so they had no cover for Jim Layton for the FA Cup. So I became, I went for a month on loan, become cover for Jim Layton, played in the reserves at Manchester United and trained with the first team and so I ended up being there a month, and then he wanted to—he wanted me to stay. He wanted to sign me, but but the gaffer wanted me back, and then then it was my time. I knew as soon as he wanted me back, he wanted me back to make me his first team goalkeeper. Fantastic. So, what were the yeah. biggest differences between the setup at United and what was going on at Forest? Because everyone sees Forest as, or at least Forest fans see Forest as a big club, and it is a big club, and what. Obviously, Clough in particular has achieved with Forrest, puts us in that top tier. But there's no getting away from the fact that Man United is a whole other beast. Yeah, it was the Cliff. We used to train at a place called the Cliff. And I've got to be honest, it was a bit tired. It was getting a bit tired. Um, but do you know what? The two, the two clubs were similar. Probably because of the two managers and the way that they are. So when I went to Manchester United and I went in and, and I met Sir Alex, the first thing he does, he takes you to meet the ladies that are doing your kit. This is, this is Eileen, she does the kit. You walk down the corridor, this is Jeff, he's the Ed's groundsman. Then you go uh, in, into where you get uh, food. These are the two ladies, these are the two chefs, you know, Elsie and whoever. And what, what, the feeling I got was that I was in the same place. I was because the our gaffer was the same. The most important people at the football club were the likes of your kit men, the people that cook your food, the people that don't get any recognition. But that's why we did so well, is because the togetherness at the club and the the, the kit man was as important as what Stuart Pierce was. And Cluffy and Fergie in, installed that into uh, in, into the players to make sure that they realise and recognise that you know we don't want no big time Charlie's here. If we're a club, we're a team, we're, we're together. 
we don't want no individuals because if you've got one or two that are not buying into what you're trying to do, you've got no chance. And it doesn't matter if it's just football, it can be any business. I've done, I, I do a lot of speaking and I speak to banks and teams who work for Barclays. And once you say, if you've got a team of 12 and two of you are not in it, your team ain't going to work. And I'm sure that works in Europe. And you can see the heads nodding as well. Even if you're talking to people, you know, at, at such a high-profile jobs, you can just see the feedback and the nodding. And, and and that's what it was like. And it was exactly the same at Manchester United as it was at Forest. Um, and then you go to other clubs and things are a little bit distant. Not, not totally, but not quite the same togetherness. Mm. And that's what I noticed about the two clubs. And, I, and, and I'm a massive believer that it comes from both managers. Yeah. What a great experience you had, though. I mean, working for two of the greatest who ever managed. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's huge. So you returned to the city ground, uh, obviously established yourself as Forest number one. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the most challenging things, Norm, when I talk to people like yourself who have done a bunch of podcasts, done a bunch of interviews, you're sought after. It's really challenging then for folks like me to come up with questions that you haven't already been asked. Yeah. Not sure I'm going to do it in this interview, quite honestly. But as I was thinking about, okay, what, what maybe has he not been asked? One of the questions that popped into my head is, what do you think was your, your pinnacle, your high point at Forest? When you stood there between the posts and you look around going, oh, this is as good as it gets. What was, what was that moment of Forest? See, people would naturally think, um, I'm in the record book for saving Tizza's penalty, being mm-hmm. the only, and now, that's it should just say for our listeners, Norm, because we have a lot of American listeners. Matt Letizia, very, very gifted player, played for Southampton for his entire career. Mm-hmm. Arguably, I mean, one of the most gifted midfielders England's ever produced and, and known for being an incredible penalty kick taker. Never missed a single penalty except once. When he yeah, yeah. He saved by Big Norm. Yeah, I think he, he had 49. And when he was on 20, I saved his penalty at the Dell. Now, another little story just to add to that is I got an email from a building company because the Dell, Southampton now, is now an housing estate. Yeah. And the goal that I saved at the end uh, where I saved the penalty is now called Crossley Place. No. Yeah. I had an email saying... Would it be okay to do it? Da, 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 da. And I, I just thought it was all, I've got to admit, it was a wind up. So, you know what I'm like? I said, Yeah, go on, crack on, mate. I should have asked for an house, really. And I'd be not. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, so, and then someone, I put it on Twitter, someone sent me a picture. Yeah, confirmed it, Crossley Place. So, uh, so that would just come through. Matt Letizier, legend, 49 penalties, missed one. I, I, I was the guy that saved it. So, that record can be never taken away. I'm one of only three people to save a penalty in an FA Cup final. Um, Dave Besant being the first, me the second, Petr Cech the third. I'm the only one to save one and end up on the losing team. So I'm in the record books for that. I'm in the record books for scoring the Premier League's first ever own goal. This is why I become a good after-dinner speaker, you see, because <laughs> all these things going on. and then, But then I have to say, yeah, but on the lesser note, you know, I scored the Premier League's first ever own goal. Which usually gets a giggle. But I would say my time at Forest and the things that stand out to me is we got relegated and came straight back up under Frank Clark and we finished third in the Premier League the following season. 
which I believe is still a joint record with Newcastle today for a promoted team to finish third in the Premier League. So the following year, it was the UEFA Cup. It wasn't the European Cup, which because it wasn't the top four that qualified then, it was only the top two. So we went into Europe and them days stick out for me because we were massive underdogs. We, we, we got the likes. Of, people didn't realise how good we actually were to take on Europe, the likes of Bayern Munich and that. And we weren't a massive club in, in Europe, but we had a good group of players. And then trips, we, we beat Malmo, and then we beat, uh, I think, Auxerre and Lyon. Uh, ended up in the quarterfinal against Bayern Munich. So they, they stick out with me because I managed, leading up to the quarterfinals against Bayern Munich, I kept five clean sheets in six games. And I, I was probably at the pinnacle of my career. And I was, I, I've got to be honest, I, I honestly thought it was a matter of time before I got uh, an England call-up. Because I'd played for the under-21s, won the two-line tournament with the 21s, never got the call. And I couldn't have played, been playing any better. And that's when I got the call from Wales to saying, you know, it's, you're 26 now, it's time to start thinking if you want to play international football. And I thought, do you know what? I really, really appreciate that call. And I got two phone calls within a week after them, Europe, them, them European trips with Forest. I got Scotland call me, Craig Brown and Bobby Gould from Wales because I've got Scottish and Welsh ancestry. Bobby Gould was the first one. Neville Southall was coming towards the end of his career. And I thought... I'm not Welsh, I'm English, but I was in 43 squads and only had eight caps. A lot of them were through injuries um, and I should have played more because I, I think I was better than the guy that was in goal. I'm not going to mention them, but I think I was better. But I, should I agree, have, I agree. But I didn't, but I never missed a squad. I turned up to 43, I only got eight caps, so no one could ever say you're not committed because I was. And I, got the ch and I got the chance to play against Germany, Argentina. And try and be put in that position where someone said, you're going to play international football against the likes of Germany and, and Argentina. Uh, and try and turn it down. I couldn't do it. So I become um, half Welsh. <laughs> I can't, so, I mean, I don't blame you. I loved every minute of it, and 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 I I, I support Wales now, and I, I want to, I want, and it's brilliant uh, what the job that Ryan Giggs is doing. Yeah, and I get yeah. to commentate. I get to commentate on Sky uh, Sky Sports News on all the Wales games, so that's another good thing that's come come from it as well. And uh, I've even started going on holiday in Wales now, so yeah. Blimey, you're all in. No, I, I I agree, mate. And also for the record as well, I think you uh, you would have given the England goalkeeper at the time a run for his money as well. So I think it's a bit mm. crim criminal that you were overlooked, but uh, obviously that was Wales's benefit. Uh, and it, yeah. it gave you an opportunity to do something that a lot of players don't do. I mean, a lot of kids in England, kids all over the world, who have aspirations of, of playing football professionally will never get there. It's a very small single-digit percentage of kiddos that can actually make it into the professional game as an adult to mm. then play on the international stage. Mm. You know, that subset obviously is, is smaller again. So I don't blame you for taking that opportunity. I have to ask you though, did you have any conversations with Cluffy about that? Cause you know, Cluffy of course was approached by Wales for the management job. 
Well, he left in 93. So it was Frank. It was his time. The gaffer mm. had gone. Mm. Frank was... He didn't want me to do it. He wanted me to wait and see if I could get an England call-up. Plus, I had in my contract at Forest that... Uh, um, when I signed a new contract, it said every international cap that you get, you get 25 grand. They okay. thought it was going to be England, right? So, so yeah, but it was, it, it didn't say, it didn't England, say yeah, <laughs> national cap. Therefore, Frank, Frank kind of fell out with me. He went, You're not going to Wales. I said, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, Norm, about the position of goalkeeper, because one of the reasons I reached out to you for this interview is because I've been so taken by your walking is brilliant Twitter videos and all of the, all of the stuff that's come from that. We're going to come on to that in just a second, because I think it's really fantastic. You know, being a goalkeeper, it's a very, it's a, it's very specialized. I mentioned earlier that I've been watching that all or nothing documentary on Spurs. And there's one episode where Spurs is, backup goalkeeper, really third goalkeeper, Michelle Vaughan, who hasn't played all season, gets a look in during one of the cup games. Uh, obviously, he's anxious to stand out and do a good job for Mourinho and the team. Ends up making a horrific mistake. Really costs mm. the, te- the team the game. It was the FA Cup. Um, and that leads to them being knocked out. And mm. he very candidly talks about that moment after the match and talks about, and he uses the word lonely, he talks about, you know, in those moments, it's very lonely being a goalkeeper. What's your experience? How, how have you dealt with those mistakes over the years? And I know that there's this, this idea of a goalkeeper's union. You played alongside some great goalkeepers at Forest, right? You mentioned Steve Sutton, yeah. Andy Marriott, Hans Seeger, of course, Dave Besson, you mentioned earlier. You and he have that distinction of having saved FA Cup penalties. Um, Besson, mm-hmm. of course, was with, with Wimbledon at the time, but came on to play for Forest later. Do you guys support one another? I mean, because you have that shared understanding of that position. I think that word that Michelle Vorm has come out with, lonely, I think is probably, is it the nail on the head? It's a great word. Um, so as goalkeepers, we understand that. And it, and it can be lonely. He probably, he probably got loads and loads of messages after that from, from fellow professional goalkeepers. Uh, I'd be surprised if he didn't. So that's why we have to become a union and we have to try and understand um, how you, you're actually feeling. You, at the end of the day, you're human and you want to do the best you can for yourself and for your team. So when that happens, and I've been there on, on, on a few occasions, um, that it is a very, very lonely place and... You have to be very a very, very strong-minded person to deal with it and recover from it. So, yeah, I, can, I totally get it. The word lonely is, is, uh, is probably the best way to put it, really. It can be lonely. But it can also be very rewarding. And for me, for a goalkeeper, you are hero or villain. And that's why we mention that word consistency a lot, is that, through a season, if you can be consistent for 75% of it, then you'll probably have a good season. Because there's bound to be, look at David De Gea at the moment, you know, one of the world's best. And he just can't find his, he just can't find his form. And he probably won't be, under, be able to understand why. But he'll keep going and it will turn around. 
and so it is you have to be very very mentally strong to be uh, to 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 play in between them sticks especially in front of 30 40 50 60 70,000 people who all have an opinion yeah it be, it can become an even more lonely place yeah mm. staying with that subject of kind of the mental piece norm and the challenge of that obviously after you stopped playing you went into management and coaching you mentioned mm-hmm. you've done some punditry. I'd be curious to know what your favorite post-playing activity is, and you can't say walking or golf. Um, but also, how challenging is it then to transition from being a player to not being a player? I mean, I was talking to my wife about it this morning. The conceit of it is really crazy. You know, you, you, you've been doing this thing since you're five or six years old. You've been doing it professionally, you know, from your teens. All of a sudden, in your mid-30s, it's game over that's that seems like that would be really difficult to deal with yeah i mean my mental health only suffered um as i've come away from the game um i played till i was 41 i was lucky enough to play in goal till i was 41 although towards the end uh, sporadically you know not as much as, as 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 my body would allow me to do basically but um i decided um, I worked with sports motivational coaches. When they first come into the game, I took advantage of it and worked. I worked with one great guy called Watt Nicola, a Scottish guy, who I'm still in touch with now. And he put me, he, he got me to put a five-year plan in place. So as you come into the NJ career, I'm at Fulham, I'm 36, contract's ending. I've already been told it's not getting renewed. So... Although I knew I was still fit enough and good enough to get another club, but probably be dropping down the levels. So I, I kind of accepted that. But I thought, what do I want to do after football? What am I going to do? So I did all my coaching badges while I played. I wasn't one of those that finished and went, oh, I'll get a job. It'll be easy. I've got a good name. This will be. It doesn't work like that. Coaching and dealing with a group of players from playing is totally, totally different. It's... You could be the best player in the world and you could be hopeless at coaching. You just, it's just it's so difficult to explain why. So I decided I'm going to go and do all my badges. I'm going to put myself in a position that if a management job comes along, I'm going to be in a position to be able to do it because that's what I think I can do, personality-wise and knowing the game and understanding the game, people who I've worked with. So I decided to go that route. Um, I had a taste of caretaker management at Chesterfield. Did okay didn't like it, decided it wasn't for me, didn't handle the pressure the well, didn't handle the, phone call, handle the phone calls from the chairman very well, didn't have the answers. But I was good on the training field and I was good at getting players' attention and I was good at organisation. They were my strengths. So therefore, I'm a coach. I'm a coach. So I just, that's where I am. I'm a coach. So I coached and coached and then... Never got the chance to coach at a really, really high level, uh, although I'd got all my badges. So as time went on, so Oldham, I become player coach. So I was still player when I went to Oldham uh, at 36 years old. But because I got all my badges, they made me player coach. So I never had a break from football. For 33 years, I was always involved in the game, whether it be playing, being told what to do, or coaching and telling what people what to do. The organisation side of it is still exactly the same. And I become 
not only a goalkeeping coach, but a guy that would organise hotels, food for everybody, travel, what time to be there, when you, when you can go home, when you're next in for training. So I was like the manager's... Um, I was the manager's golfer, basically. That's what you are as a coach. So when I came out of the game, I got the sack for the first time on the 2nd of January. Our manager always worked with John Chad in Chesterfield, got the bullet. I got asked to stay on, but I just felt the time wasn't right. And I was ready to come out. I was ready to have a break from the game because there's this bubble around you in football and the world revolves around you while you're in it. You can't organise. You get six weeks off in the summer. That's when you take your holidays with your family and all that. No weekends, forget them. So you're in the zone, but when you come away from it, you're out of the zone. And what that did to me mentally was it just destroyed me. I didn't know what to do, although I was ready for the break and give more time to my family. I didn't realise how my family had suffered so much of me being in, the, in and around football, although the life it's given us, we're thankful for. But there's more important things, and I've only just realised that. And I'm only, it's only just sinking in now. And then when I got the sack, a week after, my dad got diagnosed with cancer. It's me and my dad are like that. And I know loads of people with mental health issues are on a miles bigger scale than what I am. But I, it was the first time I struggled. So I wanted help to help me. In the same time, giving help. How can I give help back on the way that I feel? And that's how I discovered walking. And it's been... It's changed my life at the moment, how, how it's made me feel mentally. And it's given me, great, it's given me great pleasure. And I feel so proud that I'm dealing. I've just been asked to become an ambassador for the NHS in the Bounds and Rotherham area on the, on the mental, mental side of things, which I'm going to go and do a little bit of work with them. And, yeah, it is for free, and it's my free time, but it's given me real good satisfaction. So it's helping me. Uh, and then we're on to the Kilimanjaro then. So I got a group of players together that I knew and that had suffered and that I probably thought, do you know what? You know, you've had a great career. How can you be suffering mentally? But it happened to me. It hit me. So then I realised, I realised what Stan Collymore was on about. And now I do realise, but it's took me to get to 51 year old to actually realise and we've got together, we're, doing, we're a group of players who have been quite open, myself, Dean Windass, Chris Kirkland, John Parkin, Steve Howey. We've come together through, not that we knew each other that well, that we're quite happy to talk about it. And what it's doing, it is definitely 100% getting people to talk about it. And the, the, my, my Twitter page is flooded with it. It really is. So... It's made me feel really good about myself again. It's been amazing, Big Norm. It it really has been. Um, and seeing Gemmo involved as well. And Gemmo, sorry, and Gemmo. Yeah. <laughs> We're <best laughs> Gemmo the same. You know, it's been tough. He's, he's had a tough time. Uh, yeah. And he doesn't mind speaking about it. That's a good thing. Well, I think that's the thing that has most impressed me. You know, there's a lot of stigma associated with mental health. But I think everybody, to some degree, myself included, has struggled in their life um it doesn't always get labeled as depression with a big d and sometimes it should be you know sometimes Mm. people do need the degree of help that comes with that but 
even just those day-to-day challenges, yeah, don't talk about them enough. And I think when you bring them out into the cold light of day and you ask for help, you're surprised at how many people will rally around or mm. have similar stories to your own. Um, mm. Anyway, I want to come on to that and dig deeper into the walking is brilliant world here in just a moment and finish our interview on that note, because I want folks to go immediately from this interview to your website. I want them to hit your Twitter account. I want it to be fresh in their minds. So before we do that, we're going to have a bit of fun. Right. Not not that talking to you hasn't been brilliant. Yeah. I'd asked you before we came on, you, you might have reservations now after talking to me for half an hour, but I asked you before we came on, Mike, if you'd be game for this. Because I have a little idea, a little something I want to do. I did this in a, on a, previ- in a previous life, a little bit of fun. I did this with some professional players in the US. And it's a bit of a quiz. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask each of our guests throughout this season to uh, partake in this quiz. Might see if I can get Fletch back in as well. And we'll see who ends up winning. So, um, Oh, he's good. He's good. He is good. Him and Colin Frey. I mean, surely they've got to be nailed on forget most yeah. of the questions right but this is called box to box big norm and i know you're more used to just staying in the one box <laughs> well not if you ask sheffield wednesday fans oh that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's right so the premise is we're going to get 90 seconds on the clock like you get 90 minutes in a game and i have two lists of questions here in front of me i have home questions and i have away questions the home questions are all centered around nottingham forest and generally speaking, are going to be easier and they're worth one point. The away questions from anywhere in world football, I tried not to make them too crazy difficult, but they're certainly going to be a bit more challenging than the home questions and accordingly are worth three points. Now, if you go for a question and you get it wrong, you are going to have that, that, that amount of points deducted from your final tally. So if you go for an away question, you get it wrong. Ultimately, I'm going to take three points off your tally. So you can end up in, in negative numbers here, Norm. It's not going to happen, but it could. But it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, so it's up to you, question by question, to determine the strategy that you want to employ. You might just want to go easy all the way through and just hit home questions for the 90 seconds. You may want to mix it up a bit. You may want to go all in on the away questions. No guts, no glory. So it's totally up to you, my friend. Let's see how many points you can accrue in 90 seconds. You ready? Uh, yeah. All right. Here we go. Home or away, Norm? Away. Blimey. All right. Oh, who is the only goalkeeper to save a Matt Letizia penalty? Mark Crossley. Hey! Very good. <laughs> Three points. Home or away? Home. Here's <laughs> another another gimme for you. Brian Clough's dog was named. Dell. Yay! Very good. Home or away? Home. Which famous England goalkeeper was between the posts for both of Forrest's European Cup triumphs? Pete Shilton. Here you go. Home or away? Away. Who were the three teams relegated from the EPL last year? Oh, uh, pass. No, come on, you know this, mate. Three teams uh, are in the championship now. Bournemouth. Yep. Uh, Norwich. Yeah, and the other one you first you went on trial with in your very first club. Watford. There you go. Home or away? Home. Home. Name three Forest strikers who have scored 20 goals in a single season in the past 20 years. Stan Collymore. Yep. Um, Gary Burles. 
No, no, the last 20 years, no. Think about, oh, think about the current team. Happened Gary, very, very recently. Current team, Graben. Yeah, there's another one, need one more. Uh, Nigel Clough. No, 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 it's not Clough. No, Cluffy was just outside of that 20-year window. It's funny, actually, because I, I actually put him on my list originally, and then I had to go check it, and he was just outside of it. Could have had Kevin Campbell, Van Hoydonk, or DJ. Oh, rubbish. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's have a look at you. you got two aways. That's six points. you got three homes, minus the one you missed at the end. So that's uh, nine points, mate. That's a good innings. Not bad. That's not bad at all. I mean, obviously, you're the first one. We have no yardstick. But I can tell you from having played this game before, that is a good, solid score. So, not fantastic, bad. mate. Thanks for being no, such a good sport. All right. So, I want to wrap up the interview by honing in on walking is brilliant. I'm sure all Forest fans by now will be familiar with Big Norm's Twitter account. Just to remind us, Big Norm, of what the uh, Twitter account address is. We're a group of, obviously, the players. We're a we're a non-profitable organisation at the moment, which is going to be a, going to be a charity, and we're called Watch, which is Walking and Talking Charity Hikes. Uh, if if you can find our, our website, which is walkingsbrilliant.com, uh, on Twitter you can find us at walkingsbrilliant. How did this all start out? Because it just started out literally with you taking up walking and posting videos, right? I mean, that was straight. Yeah. I was having a bad time, like I said, and my, a mate of mine just said, you'd come out for a walk with me, and we went, and it was three miles, four miles, five miles, and I thought, oh, do you know what? I would never, I would just have always have just jumped in the car and gone anywhere. Now I just walk everywhere. And it was from walking with him, I felt good when I came back. I did it the next day on my own. I went a little bit further. I love music, so I started putting earphones in, going on my own. I like to walk on my own. And then, then from that, I like to walk through woods. I like to walk by water. It's peaceful. It's thinking time. And that's how I kind of became the founder of Walking's Brilliant and, and the Watch Group. So then we've all grouped together. I got in touch with some players and fancy, do you fancy coming a group together and helping people? Every one of them said, yeah, absolutely. So we've become a group now that's raising money for, for mental health charities and the NHS, the mental health side of the NHS as well. And we're going to be climbing Kilimanjaro, uh, July 13th, 2021. Hopefully. That's amazing. We... I'm actually really jealous of that because that, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. So all that's booked and there's going to be, uh, there's some comedians that I work with on the after dinner circuit. They're going to be joining as well. Um, uh, it, it's just going from strength to strength at the moment. Um, we've got all different events leading up to it. Obviously, at the moment, we're struggling because of COVID. Uh, and it's, going, it's just gone, it's gone really, really mad. But the main thing is we're, we're helping people and, and we're all proud of uh, how, how, how it's helping people and, and people are not scared to get in touch with us, you know, and, and, and ask our opinions. We keep it very private. I've just asked to become an ambassador of the NHS Mental Health up here in Barnsley and, and Rotherham, which I'll be, I'll be doing that. Um, Chris, Chris Kirkland's got his own foundation, uh, which is based on helping mental health. So it's, it's generated a, a lot of interest 
and it's going from strength to strength and we're going to be raising a lot a lot of money and we're going to be helping a lot a lot of people yeah and that's the gain that we're we're, we're getting from it yeah mm. that's that's absolutely fantastic uh big norm it's just yeah just just brilliant now if folks want to contribute to it financially how can they do that obviously you brought out some merch some fantastic baseball caps yeah. and beanies is that one way for folks to go ahead and contribute yeah it is um um there's a there's a few things you can do really we have our own website you can companies can sponsor for 200 pounds you get your logo on there uh, as soon as you click on it it'll take you to your own website uh, we've got a just giving page we've just we've just started uh which you can find it's attached to our, to our it'll be attached to the website this week actually there's lots and lots of different ways and then and the website will explain all the different events that are coming up uh, to raise money along the way to the to the big one in july well you know if i can help at all um i'd love to carry your bags um <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah i mean you'll have to you'll have an argument with the sherpas over there like but uh, feel free to do it <laughs> again you and i talked off mike a little bit i think is there a tv documentary coming as well on the whole thing there is prim, pr, uh, Premier League World of um, they want to follow it and, and make a documentary of it, which is really good as well. Oh, so that's fantastic. Yeah. So, like I say, it's been a short time and and it's just generated so much interest. We're getting a little bit bogged down, but we've got all people pulling in right directions now to to make it to go as far as we as we possibly can. And of course, it's getting a lot of attention now on the national stage, not least of all because. You got messages from Pep Guardiola. You got messages from Jurgen Klopp. I think those videos are on your Walking Brilliance website, right? Yeah, and they signed some of our caps. Uh, they, they personally signed them themselves, so they're supporting us. We've just had Anton Deck. Uh, they've supported us really, really massively. Um, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer, and Ian Wright are the latest ones from Match of the Day. So blimey, all really really saying the right things and and pushing it forward for us so like i say it's just gone way beyond what 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 we imagined and and the support just keeps coming in and coming in constantly you know i was thinking about this interview and i was thinking about somebody who i think would be very proud of you and jemo and the rest of the boys somebody who enjoyed a good walk himself i think cluffy would be really made up with what you're doing Looking down, and uh, I hope his I hope his words are well done, young man. You know, I mean, we used to walk to the training ground every morning, and he used to take the walk, and he'd have Del Boy there with his dog, and I just remember you weren't allowed to walk past him. So some days, <laughs> ten minutes, some days it took an hour. And young Gary Charles, bless him, young Gary Charles, the gaffer loved him, and he used to say when we used to get to the gates of the training ground, he used to say, "Young Charlesy," and he'd say, "Yes, boss." He said, "You're training today, son. You're taking Dell for a walk." So <laughs> <laughs> Charles used to go off down the Trent with with Del Boy, and we used to go training. He fucking used to come back, and he said, "That's you done for the day, son." <laughs> Oh, oh, memories, memories, memories are unbelievable. Oh, mate, I could talk to you for hours and hours. It's absolutely fantastic, but I know we're on a hard stop here. Before I let you go, I do have to ask you about the current Forest team. You mentioned earlier one of your high points playing for Forest was playing in Europe. You mentioned, of course, Auxerre, who the current manager, Sabri Lamucci. 
turned out for. So what are your thoughts on the current Forest team? I've had a bit of a rocky start to the season, of course, Norm. But what do you think, yeah. uh, what do you think of the, the, the team this year? What do you think they might be able to achieve? They might struggle to recover from like what happened at the end of last season. It's because it's such a short turnaround uh, in the season as well. It's got to be, it's got to be in there what actually happened missing out on the playoffs on the last day. But you know, I like him. I like the manager. Um, I want Forrest to stick with the manager through a little bit of tough times and good times. And because I remember last January was the best thing since sliced bread when they went unbeaten so many games, and then all of a sudden. A manager, he doesn't get in the playoffs when he should, and he becomes a little bit, his friends are getting a little bit irritated. But I'm pleased they're sticking with him, and I, I want to see a manager in there and stop sacking them. Let him, give him a go, give him a chance. You need three seasons minimum. You really, really do. But unfortunately, these days it doesn't happen. Now, the team last year, I went to about probably, I would say maybe. 10 games, possibly. Uh, and I felt they were a little bit short. I'd, look, I'd watched some other teams in the Championship and I did feel that Forest were a little bit short, if I'm honest, which that's what I'm being. Now, can this season be the season? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. It's a tough league. 20 years I've been in it. and it, uh, You know, or 21 years, it's... It just shows, look how Leeds have actually struggled as well and, and, and some massive teams in the Championship. And it's getting harder and harder and harder. Uh, I'd like to think it's their year, but I'm, without sitting on the fence, I'm not so sure. That's fair. That's fair. They at least have a decent goalkeeper. Is he Mark Crossley approved, the goalkeeper? I like him. Um, when I first time, I thought, wow, I love this kid. I love how laid back he is. And he's like, you know, you won't be surprised if you turn around and he was sat at the foot of the post having a rest while the game's going on at the other end of the pitch, would you? Yeah. You know, if he... Um, I, I, like, I really, really like him. I'd like to know how hard he works because he's so laid back. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to... I'd like to go and see him train and see how hard he really, really pushes himself. Mm. I think he does uh, because I do like him and I think he's a good. Go I think I do think he's a good goalkeeper, um, and I think Forrest do need to keep hold of him as well because he's 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 a, he's a favourite and he's a fan's favourite. And sometimes you need that, especially being in goal. Especially being in goal, you need the fans behind. You can't have the fans grumbling and moaning and groaning because it affects the whole team. Been there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like him. I like him. I just, if there's one question, I'd, I'd, I'd question how hard does he work on his game? But I haven't seen him, so I, I can't really come back. I'd like to know. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's, he's, you can tell he's naturally athletic. And I think sometimes yeah. I've worked with players myself, right, where they come into the game, they're naturally athletic and therefore there might be a tendency to rest on your laurels. Don't know that he's mm. doing that. But yeah, that's a great point you make. Mm. And, uh, you know, Reese Sambra, Mark Crossley approved. I mean, you can't, in Nottingham Forest, at least, there's no higher praise than that. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, mate, I felt like I got a proper legend to visit with Forest Fancast today. The last hour with you has only cemented that opinion. You have been absolutely, as you would say, mintonious. 
<laughs> it's been <laughs> brilliant, mate. It's been brilliant. Mark Crossley, Big Norm, thank you so much for visiting with us on Forest Fancast. And uh, all the best, mate, with everything you're doing with Walking is Brilliant. You've certainly got a big supporter here. Yeah, well, come on, come on, come on again and let you know how we're getting on sometime, yeah? Fantastic. All right, you take care. All right, Taz. Right, Top man. <laughs> Cheers, fella. Bye. Take care, mate.